Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Mercy and God's never-ending peace be yours in abundance today, dear Christian, as you consider the important answer to the two questions, will this help or will this fail on earth or in eternity? Approximately 30 years ago, in the fall of 1992, I was just getting started with my freshman year of college at Dr. Martin Luther College, and my roommate was a young man named Eric. He was from Northern California, and he had something neat that he could do with his word processor, because some of us had those and some of us didn't. He could type a letter to his parents, do something with his phone, and then they would get it later that day and read it right away. He didn't have to just write a letter in pen and ink, put it in an envelope with an address and a stamp, and put it in the mail, and then they get it two or three days later. And even more astonishing, his parents not only would receive what letter Eric had written, he would get one from them in return. And then he'd send another one later that day, and they would send another one back before bedtime. It was the very early days of email. No one had ever heard of it before. Only some kid from Northern California with a techie father was able to accomplish that that sort of thing. And everything was great. He did that regularly most days until he got his first phone bill in the mail. Remember back when we had to pay 10 cents a minute for long-distance phone calls? Every minute spent online back then was like a long-distance phone call paying 10 cents a minute. So Eric's first phone bill was way up there. And he didn't do that so often anymore after that. Will this help or will this fail? If you had asked me back then, will email help? We all would have said, no, it's going to fail. Who would spend that much money just on that little letter writing gizmo that you could just do a phone call and probably get the message across more quickly? However, by the time I graduated college, In 1998, yes, I did go six years, in case you're doing your math. Everybody knew email is going to help, and it certainly has helped in the time since then. Will this help or will this fail? That's a pretty lighthearted illustration I just gave. It's not so lighthearted, though, when you're talking about time and eternity. Most human beings think that what will help on earth actually fails in eternity. And God's word, which does help in eternity, many human beings say, well, that's not going to help on earth. Today, Jesus drills deeper into that really important topic as we study the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. And he will help us to grasp and hold closely to what will help, what will fail. We begin by thinking about the background. Jesus told this to a group of people that he was teaching the scriptures to, and he had just finished teaching this really important principle that I'm sure many of you have heard before. 
You cannot love both God and money. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. There's no middle ground, Jesus was saying. If you're devoted to God, you're not going to care much about money. And if you're devoted to money, you're going to despise God. You can't have it both ways, Jesus was saying. And the Pharisees heard what he was saying and went, whatever, he's dumb. They sneered at him and they mocked him and they dressed him down and belittled him in their hearts because they loved money. And they also claimed to love God. They didn't like Jesus saying, you can't have it both ways. In response to their sneers, Jesus told the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. Let's work through the verses again and see what God has to say to us about will this help or will this fail for our benefit and blessing. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. There's the snapshot of both of their earthly lives. Raise your hand if you sure wish you could be just like Lazarus. None of us would, okay? The rich man got to make a lot of choices in his life. He chose to wear the finest of clothes. He chose to eat at five-star restaurants. He chose who his friends were going to be and looked for chances to make more. He chose to pleasure himself any chance he got. He also chose to ignore God's word. He chose the things of this world will help, never mind eternity. And that was okay, kind of, for a time, until his life came to an end. It's very possible he even thought to himself, heaven, hell, so what? Who cares? That'll never happen. A loving God will never send people to hell. And I'm a pretty good person after all. Look at all that I've accomplished. But he was wrong. He mixed up some really important categories. He mixed up human wisdom with divine wisdom. He mixed up what will help and what will fail. He mixed up this life and eternity. Lazarus, on the other hand, did not make many choices. He had choices made for him. He didn't choose where he was going to live. He was placed at the gate of the rich man. He didn't choose what he was going to eat. He was begging day after day and hoping that somebody would give him the scraps that were left over from their tables. But Lazarus did have human wisdom versus divine wisdom squared away. Lazarus did have time and eternity in proper perspective. And even though his life was miserable, even though the best thing that happened to him some days were that dogs would lick his sores. Really? He said, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. I can't wait to get there. That's where my heart is. And I know I'm going there 
because my Savior loves me even though I'm dealing with this awful hardship. I will not get to the spot in my mind that even starts to think maybe God has selected me for judgment because of this terrible life. No. My Savior loves me. Heaven is my home. In eternity, it was clear what will help and what will fail. Even though during their earthly lives, it seemed like the answers were the opposite, that what the rich man had would help and what poor Lazarus had would fail. In eternity, it was all different. Verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. The rich man realized, too late, what he thought would help in life failed and what he thought would fail in life would have helped. And there he was in regret, seeing that beggar by his gate that he ignored and belittled in his mind, enjoying heaven while he himself was the very opposite. He asked Father Abraham in heaven if Lazarus might be sent to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. But even that potential small relief was denied. The worst part is there was nothing he could do because now he wasn't making the choices, was he? The rich man wasn't, wasn't calling the shots anymore. Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. The rich man still tried to make a choice and call some shots, and he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They have God's word. They have the Bible. Let them listen to them, to the word rises from the dead. The rich man still tried to make sure his brothers were okay, yet he still was ignoring God's word, wasn't he? He still had it mixed up, what will help and what will fail. He thought for sure a miracle will wake him up when a miracle without God's word won't wake anyone up. It'll just make them go, huh, that's weird. Only God's word has the power to bring someone to faith. Only God's word will help in eternity. Only God's word will help in this life as we're dealing with hardships of all kinds of different things. Now, there's a really important point to be clear on because, quite frankly, we're somewhat wealthy compared to probably even that rich man in the story. Is it sinful to have money? 
Are we doomed to hell if we're wealthy? The answer is no. It's not sinful to have money. It's sinful to love money. And it's sinful to spend all your life pleasuring yourself while ignoring God's word. And one interesting thought that I didn't ever catch about these scriptures before this last round of going through them for preparing for the sermon is that Abraham is in heaven and Abraham was very wealthy. Abraham was probably more wealthy than the rich man in the story. But why was he in heaven? Because Abraham knew what would help and what would fail, even though he had lots of money and flocks and herds and and influence. Abraham knew, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home, just like poor Lazarus in the story. Abraham lived a life trusting God with all his heart, even against all odds. Abraham lived a life of being generous to God first before everything else, and then generous to others, not setting his heart on what he had, enjoying it for a time, but really having his heart set on things above, with Jesus in glory. Abraham spent his time not trying to create a heaven on earth for himself, not trying to amass as much wealth and toys and fun as possible. But he spent his time digging into God's promises and rejoicing in everything God had to say there. It's not a sin to have money. It is a sin to love money and get it mixed up, what will help and what will fail. Living your life as though eternity is out there somewhere and won't ever really come. If we're willing to be brave enough to take a close look in the mirror, I think we'd all have to say, you know, there's some times when my time and eternity priorities got switched around. There's some times when I fell for the lies of the devil and and for the lies of human wisdom that pleasuring myself will make me happy only to find out that it really didn't. Not long term at least. And there's been times when I've ignored God's word and there was a tough truth that I ran into and I just didn't really want to deal with it because it's tough. I'd rather pleasure myself and ignore that. It's so common to live for this world as though eternity did not exist. And that is sinful and wrong. Jesus teaches us today through this parable, you cannot love both God and money. You cannot have your heart attached to both God and the things of this life. One will help. Now, God and his word. And one will fail. Now, the things of this life. And the same is true even more clearly, of course, in the eternal realm. Doesn't it make you say, I can't believe how gracious of a Savior we have. You know how hard it is to love greedy people? You know how hard it is to love people who are me first and everyone else just kind of happens to be here? How hard it is to love people who are wanting more and more and more and no matter how much they have, more than enough is never enough for them. And we all have a little bit of that in us. Yet Jesus loved us anyways. And even though he had mansions of heaven to live in, the finest robes of righteousness to wear, and the best that money could buy, even better things than money could buy, he set it aside. He let it go. 
and he chose a painful piece of wood to hang from and die so that we could have something that will actually work eternally so that Jesus could give us something that will help forever so that Jesus could say, hey, one day, no matter what the hardships are, no matter how the ups come and then go and leave you disappointed in the end, one day you will be carried to my heavenly home and you will spend all eternity there in perfect peace, harmony, joy, love, not being tempted, never even for one second thinking that something of this life is better in value than something in eternal life. Jesus lived and died and rose to give us that. And he is ascended on high with all power to empower you to believe it more than ever and to live a generous life that has him in the center instead of a me-first greedy life centered on pleasuring yourself as much as possible. And that means that when we get some money, which we always will, until the day we die. You see the rich man and poor Lazarus as you're deciding what to save and what to spend. What will help and what will fail? God, help me to stare at you and nothing else and keep that straight. That means when we are listening to whatever we're listening to on this earth, we, we stop and ask ourselves, what am I listening to right now? Will this help or will this fail on earth and in eternity? You see the poor man and rich Lazarus as you decipher what you're listening to and how to move forward with your heart firmly embedded in God's promises. When you are thinking about how to be generous, you see the rich man and poor Lazarus. What will help? What will fail? And you move forward as poor Lazarus would have. I mean, just imagine that poor Lazarus and the rich man are in church today, and Abraham, what would they put in the plate? It's very different. Know what will help and what will fail as you think about that part of your life. And then as you're thinking about other people in your life, because everyone has a soul, everyone's going to face eternity, and there will be judgment. Jesus is our only answer. But he is the answer. He has forgiven all people from all things. What will help and what will fail? Help the people in your life to grab that and to drink it in and to enjoy everything Jesus has lived and died and risen to offer you. I've had the privilege as a pastor for a few years now to be with many people as they were dying. Guess what? I have yet to hear one single person brag to me about how much money they have when they're at that point. But I have many times heard them tell me about how much Jesus' promises mean to them, why they're so thankful that they have a Savior, how they can't wait to go to heaven to see him with their own eyes, and why that is so important and special to them. Get there. Already now. 
and stay there. Live there. Rejoice there. What will help and what will fail? Keep it straight and then get that message out. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.